0: Everybody, you're listening to Rep Your Set. Today is July 16th, Sunday. Um, this is episode 105 of Rep Your Set. Today's episode, we talk with uh, John Hefty and Dave Runyon. Dave Runyon has been uh, recording music and playing in bands in northern Michigan for a long time. One of the great engineers uh, around here has worked with tons of people. John Hefty. Um, I grew up on the same driveway as John Hefty and I uh, am friends with his son, he's one of my best friends and so I've known John for a long time and and have always looked up to him as a musician. Um, John just recently moved back to Michigan and is recording a solo album and he asked me to sing on one of his songs and I was honored so we went to the studio and Uh, recorded this song and i said hey why don't we do a podcast to talk about you know your guys's history in the area and uh john gave a little more history about the detroit scene in like the late 70s so it's it's really cool really fascinating i was honored to be able to sit down and talk with dave and john Uh, i can't say enough great things about those guys um Also, John Hefty is going to be playing with his band, The Bigs, which is going to be a a reunion show, uh, July 23rd at the Civic Club. That's in Filer City near Manistee, Michigan. Um, Yeah, at the end of the podcast, we're going to listen to a sneak peek of the song I sing on called To The Light. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Runyon and John Hefty. Warning Rep your set may contain explicit content not suitable for kids. All content is intended for entertainment purposes only. Listener discretion is advised.
1: We'll click track on. Yeah. <laughs> I hate those things, but I live and die by them. Cool.
0: Um, so. We are sitting in Dave Runyon's studio right now. We we are in this is Bel Air, right? Uh, Yeah, Shanty Creek area, right next to Shanty Creek, in Dave's uh, temporary studio, which um, seems like a studio. Yeah, it's
1: it's 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 a pretty (laughs) it's a good really good temporary studio. It's in the this is the basement of the real studio. Yeah, control room and the main live rooms upstairs. And this is going to be probably the, just the bar, multi-purpose room. And I can use it for a live. If the band wants to play all at once, we'll be able to in this room.
0: So so you have been recording John Hefty's... This is your first solo album? This is my f- first...
2: Yeah, my first doing my own songs ever um, at the ripe age of 72. Just a kid. Man. Here I Here I sit... <laughs> With, uh, you know, we picked four songs that have been written over the course of, at this point, many decades. Uh, and uh, uh, I came into a little money. And my beautiful wife, Cindy, said, well, why don't you go and do your songs? And, uh, and we'll see how that goes. And I, I, I didn't quite know, you know, what to do. Hmm. Uh, other than to come here and do this, and, and Dave Runyon, uh, who I've known for way too many years, um, is he's the best at what he does, and uh, I wanted to do it with him. So we came here, and I played him a couple of demos, and uh, and started calling all of my old all my old friends, including you, Eric, um, <laughs> who I've raised since you know what you were ten. Yeah, and uh,
1: <laughs> little Eric, huh? I'd I'm, like to have seen that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was—he was a punk. Yeah.
1: He was definitely punk.
0: No, no, we were all punks. We were all punks. <laughs> no doubt about
1: it. I know some of those other guys. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I made gosh. records with a couple of them too. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh,
2: but uh, and I was able to. The beautiful thing about this, um, not only working with Dave, but I was able to uh, contact uh, all of my old. Friends from my last time here in Michigan. I've been in Colorado for the past 18 years, and uh, which is a lovely experience. But we came back for a while, and um, while doing the record, I just started calling all the guys that I was hoping to work with on the different feels for the different songs and was able to get everybody to come
0: over and do their thing. So who, um, who, who is that? Who, who is on the album that, that you have on the new album and what group did you play with them, uh, back in the day or? Well, we'll start with my friend Ray Smith, who I've known since
2: 1969. Uh, we went to art school together. I got thrown out, <laughs> he did not. Where did where, you go to art school at? I went to art school at a place called the Society of Arts and Crafts, which turned into the Center for Creative Studies, which is a hugely successful, uh, mostly automotive design kind of a uh, school now. Uh, but back then, it was like fine arts and hippy trippy sort of stuff. Mm. And you can't be a real musician unless you go to art school. You can't do it. <laughs> and then you have to get thrown out of art school. Which I did, <laughs> and uh, but I met Ray there, and uh, just had an instant connection with him, and um, uh, begged him to join the band I was in at the time, and he said, uh, "You know what? I'll I'll go ahead and do that." And Ray and I then went on to work together, literally from that point onward, um, through the seventies uh, in the Detroit bar band scene, and. Um, and stayed connected over the years. He ended up at Marshall Music in Traverse yeah, uh, for many years. And we were able to, from time to time, uh, play some gigs together. And I wanted Ray on the record because he's my oldest uh, musical connection. And he's such a great guitar player uh, and just a beautiful guy. So Ray was like number one on the list to get here. And uh, all the other guys were just, oh gosh, um, Bruce King, uh, and Jack Ross from Yankee Station, uh, who I've known for years and years and years, and just, the have got, Boo is a wonderful drummer, um, great and, guy too. Oh, he's a wonderful, good human, yeah. good job, Boo, and, um, they just have the right feel for, there's a blues song on the record called Belly Full of Whiskey, uh, and, <laughs> And they were the guys for that, uh, but I was also able to get my dear, dear friend, Mr. Roger Tarkson, to come play the kit on the other tunes. Uh, and Roger is, um, gosh, um, if 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 you had if you moved Steve Gad to Michigan, mm. he'd be Roger Tarkson.
0: Does he play on the light? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, He's got great feel on that song.
2: And Roger and I played together in a band called The Bigs uh, for a a number of years back in the 90s. And we got pretty famous and popular around here. Anyhow, we were huge in Manistee. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, dude. You hit the big time, man. (laughs) Yeah, But he's such a fine player. Um, that, uh, you know, I, 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 couldn't think of anybody else except for Jack and Roger to come do this. And they both, uh, were able to, and we got some really good performances out of, out of both of them, I think.
1: Definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. So,
2: but I've got to say, um, all four of these songs, and it's just an EP, just four songs, uh, could, uh, 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 it, it's a little, it's a little humbling for me to hear them, uh, the way they're sitting right now, because they've just become these oh my gosh i'm I'm overcome with the way they're sounding, and that's mostly due to uh to Dave Runyon here, who is i don't know how he does it i don 't want to know how he does it but he, <laughs> but he did it, and um they've just taken on each song has taken on its own uh life force, and i'm just um I'm pretty well just stunned at the at the result. Of, of the results of the of these
0: tunes so wow yeah i mean dave like uh you know i recorded with you in 2015 i think that L- sounds right a little bit in 20 maybe 14 we worked
1: on it for a little while um mm-hmm. and i mastered a couple of the hips and rico records That's i right. remembered that yeah so yep. i first met you i think mm-hmm. um yeah uh first pistol Whip's record
0: yep right yeah yep. yeah yeah i mean and And the sound that you had then was great. And now it's just, I feel like it's you've,
1: not it's, even the same universe now. Yeah. It's crazy what's happened over the years here. And
0: uh, I'm sitting and looking at Dave's setup. That's right behind him. I mean, it's uh it's incredible. It really is incredible. Uh, I mean, and, 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 you're, you're like wiring this house all yourself. Aren't yeah. You? I
1: did everything, but, uh, the foundation and roughing it in, we did everything else. That's uh, crazy. I don't know how many miles of wire. It's a smart home. So there's all kinds of low voltage network stuff in here. And I did all of that and I'd have been done by now if I'd have hired people. <laughs> but you know what? With, with all the stuff that's going on, I, I, everybody's so busy up here. Mm. I, it still probably would have taken this long because people just aren't available. Yeah. So I'm happy to have, have done it all. But yeah, we got a pretty good setup. Once we got to where we could afford good outboard gear, we're doing a, a hybrid system now. So we digital control of analog gear. So when I mix, I'm actually summing into a Neve summing app and going through their, the Neve Summing compressor, and everything the to portico too, and it just is a different world when you can do that. Mm-hmm. It, plugins are cool, and I use them, but that real piece of equipment there summoning whatever sounds and spirits they summon with all those g- greasy transformers in there you know it's it 's a cool universe to be a part of, and that 's probably the biggest change from when I did your record is. Well, plus I know what I'm doing now. Back then, I was guessing. Actually, that's, <laughs> You were that's, guessing I'm then? I'm still guessing, man. Right? <laughs> you zombie guessed five times no. in the last two hours. So. But
0: I don't know, man. It's like... Uh, I mean, everybody, I think, that has worked with you, Dave. And I've I've, I've talked about you on this podcast a lot. And I'm always like, oh, I got to talk to Dave. like, And so it's cool that we're doing this with both of you right now. But I mean, everybody that knows... Dave Runyon knows that he always puts out something quality. He's easy to work with, and, I mean you're just the best guy to record with. Uh, I, I mean,
1: appreciate that, man. That, that makes me feel good. I appreciate that. Every,
0: everybody says that and John said it right away. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to get to come and I, I wanted to come back, you know, mm-hmm. to, 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 I'm like, Hey, I think you're, we need some more. You're harmony. welcome here. Anytime, man. <laughs>
1: I'm always here doing something.
0: We need more harmony. Let me come back.
1: And <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Well, the beautiful thing about what happens here and what happens with Dave is that he's got a really good sense of um how to put the space back into the music which does not happen with music anymore anything you hear on the radio it's all the same mix it's all the same compression it's all the same level it's like just this solid block of something with no dynamics and uh what we're doing here with with my songs is that they've got they have a lot of um you know good space uh, they sound big they sound full they sound like you know back in the day when you heard music it was oh my god i love that you know you just couldn't wait for the next uh, album the next vinyl record because they were mixed properly you had the space in the tunes uh, and this is happening here uh, which that sold it for me it's like my gosh these sound like like they should yeah. not like what's out there you know nine out of ten times anymore so no taylor swift here no well i'm old enough to
1: remember those days and i actually got out of school for this stuff in 1983 and it was on two inch tape machines big 12 foot wide consoles you know it wasn't <laughs> uh it uh and you know why there was space in those old recordings because they had limited amount of tracks yeah you know Mm. and they had to put several instruments on one track often for a verse or a chorus so one would stop and the other would start so or there'd be nothing and that's how I learned and now that you can have 200 tracks running easy with this thing um, if they're all making noise all the time I just think it's it's overkill you know it's too much and you don't need it a song is a story and if you don't get the story it wasn't mixed right so i take we track a lot of stuff we don't use as as eric you all know Mm -hmm. um at mix we decide where the holes need to be a little bigger we can make them bigger or you know maybe want to slam that part a little bit so we leave it in or bring something else in but it's what you don't play or don't turn on in a mix is just as important as what you do activate so um, yeah it's i don't know it's just it's just an old guy thing
2: well, space is the final frontier. It is. <laughs> so I should have known that. Yeah. But it's really, really, really important. That's why classic rock will never die. Hmm. Because people hear all this stuff that's going on these days with no dynamics. And then they hear the stuff back in the day when it was nothing but dynamics. And it... The older stuff hits you. you. You listen to it with your body more than your ears, and that's what's important because um, you want the music to to move you. Uh, and uh, you know that's that's what's lacking these days. And but man, back in the day, I mean, you, 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 the second side of Abbey Road, damn! I mean, how do you top that? And that was just limited material, limited equipment limited yeah you talk about limited tracks uh, oh my god tracks yeah. yeah and uh which is what I meant the material obviously yeah, not yeah, but um right. the fact that they had to build it then and now you just press a button and it's and it's there yeah and that's that's not right you gotta put some soul into your music you gotta put the humanity back into the music <sighs> and so then, and
0: that's what you you're trying to do with this album I yes mean. um what what are some of the, the, the what what are some of your favorite classic albums with that space? Oh gosh, That dynamic. Other other than Abbey Road.
2: Well, you know any Beatles record for sure, but I'm from those days. Uh, anything that gets into, uh, let's say from uh, sixty eight through seventy five. Um, like I'm a Detroit guy. Uh, and uh, the beautiful thing about Detroit uh, at the turn of the 60s there was that it was r- r- raging, r- raging rock and roll. Um, I'll use the MC5 as, right. mm-hmm. as the pinnacle of what raging was. Uh, but I learned how to play um, uh, by literally, if I didn't do it right, there was somebody right behind me that was going to do it Uh, And it pushed me out of the way. So you did the very best you could, and you learned how to respect uh, the music. So the great thing in Detroit was you learned about rock and roll, real rock and roll, but you also learned about soul music. And you loved the soul music as much as you did the rock and roll because they fed off of each other. So you had just this great, great, great scene. All these rock and roll bands and all these soul bands, and oh my gosh, it was it was pretty heady stuff. So anything in that period was when the creativity was happening Um, and you didn't have the technology dictating the creativity. You had the creativity finding, you know, where the technology might be and how do we, wow, well, we don't have that technology yet. Well then let's fake it. Uh, And they could. So I'm a, you know, basically a rock and roll guy. And uh, any of that stuff from, from those, I mean, Deep Purple, oh my gosh, gosh, Uh, the English, the hard rock bands, I was way into them, but I was also into the, uh, gosh, just all of it. I can't really pinpoint anything that I was, you know, motivated uh, by other than everything, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: which kind of just fed into each other. That's what it was uh, like back then. You just didn't have anything that was like a set formula, the formulas hadn't been um, developed they, they yet. They were making the formulas. They were making the formulas. So you got to uh, you know you got to Van Halen in 1984, 85, and then bam, technology took over. I think Van Halen was like the last great r- real rock band because after that it became oh well let's have a Van Halen like thing and how do we do that well we do it like this and all mm. of a sudden you had all those. You know, not so good Van Halen kind of bands. And um, from that point onward, uh, when it fell into its formulas, uh, that's where it went. And now we have this, what's his name? That hairy guy just got hit in the face with a bottle, and now you're getting hit. You're getting hit hit in the face with stuff now these days. All of a sudden, stop (laughs) doing that, people. Right. And uh, so I don't know, man. There's just, as far as I can tell, there's no soul left in music, and that's what needs to come back. And um, I think we've got some pretty good uh, soul in in these songs. So I'm very happy, and for an old guy like me. To sit back and hear these songs, especially uh, with the vocalists I was able to get, you being one, Eric, and my good friend Dale Smith out in Colorado, uh, who sings the blues song, and my dear friend Brian Weitzel, who is. Wow, uh, what can you say about Brian? I got
1: lots of things to yeah. say about Brian. I got a lot
2: of things to say about Brian. I you, wish he Brian. was here,
1: I'd say him. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. He's my blood brother.
2: But, For sure. Oh my God! He did all of you guys did such a great job and put a lot of soul into the the genre of the tune because there are four songs. One's kind of a uh, an Eaglesy kind of I don't want to say country song, but uh, kind of that vibe. One's a blues tune. Um, one's I'm hoping is kind of like a a good late '80s, early '90s kind of ballady sort of thing, and then we've got our our reggae-ish uh, um, message song, which uh, Eric sang and did a a lovely, lovely job. Uh, did, his lovely voice job. is
1: the first one I thought of when I heard the track. You know, I yeah. I've, but it, er, I think Eric, you know, it's your podcast, and so nobody else is probably going to say this, but I, you're one of the best vocalists I know. Oh, thanks. And I've man. sat next to really famous, excellent that, singers. That's, you know, and that's it's amazing. Man. Thank um, you, Dee
2: Snyder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how Dude. did you how did you know? I knew I could just <laughs> you tell knew what I was talking yeah.
1: about. I didn't want to drop any yeah. names, yeah. but you know, but it's uh, you have a uh, really the the spirit and the character that I thought that song really represented, man. And you got the the richness, you know. There's a lot of people can sing their ass off, but uh, you got a there's a depth and a texture to your voice that I don't know. I don't know. I'm just a fan.
0: That's cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. This song was definitely out of my comfort zone with, like, some of the higher (laughs) harmonies. It it took some range, didn't it? Yeah. um, Normally... If I were alone doing this, I'd be like, "This is this is shit. This is trash. I gotta stop. I can't sing this high. I sound bad. I I, I get in my head. I get in my way all the time when it comes to recording vocals, especially when I'm alone doing it because I'm I'm my own worst critic, as you guys understand and certainly. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean this the song that I sing on the the light uh, has a great timeless message, um, and. And it's, I think it's a, it's an open ended question that, you know, you listen to it and you think like, yeah, it should be really easy to, to, to find our way yeah, to, to, to a, a higher ground, a, to, you know, to the quote unquote light. But also it has a tinge of sadness because you kind of know that that's not ever going to fully be realized. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, am I wrong in assuming that well, about the lyrics, or uh, the, the,
2: the song is is literally you know because the light is 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 um, is uh, the light. It, it's okay. The answer is right in front of you. Um, you you do well. You do goodness. You you go after what's right. All of us know in our hearts what is right, and the truth is. Um, it's hard to face Hmm. always Um, you know, there's hard truth. There's uh, a hidden truth. There's all the different kinds of truths that are right in front of you. And all they're saying to you is like, dude, this is the right thing. And all you have to do is do that. And now that we're so close um, to literally destroying uh, you know what's on the surface of this planet at this point—the the fifth day in a row that it's been the hottest it's ever been—and that, to me, you know, coming from back in the in the '60s when you know we were supposed to try to change this stuff and did not—to um, be there is is frightening to know that my gosh, right in front of your face, it's all actually happening, and we're not doing a damn thing. Uh, to stop it so that song is like you know uh, just wow here's the light all you have to do is see it and then go there so see
1: that's a really huge scale of the thought yeah and to me when i read it the lyrics for the first time and i'm listening to this song it's micro it's inward the light and it's Mm. me personally or a person and the light's right there it's obvious the truth is right there it's obvious but you don't want to let go Right. Mm-hmm. Of the things that seem to matter to your nature, your carnal nature, to whatever there is about you that doesn't want to let go of something to get you to the next level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And whether it's planetary or personally, to me, that's what I got from it. Maybe yeah. I'm way off base, but it just. Well, no, it's. It's you it's know, a it, connection to the to the light, to the truth, to yeah. a better way, whatever that is. Yeah. But. You, it's hard to get there because you have to let go of some things.
2: You do, and uh, you know it, it. Really comes down to the fact that uh, t- to hate something is really easy. Uh, human nature is like, oh yeah, I hate that, mm. you know. And it, bam, you can instantly hate something. But
0: it's like the default, yes, for human yeah. nature.
2: But That's l- yeah, but love and the truth, you have to work for that. Yeah. You have to work for the truth, and you know humans anymore don't like to put that effort out. It's all instant gratification, and oh, got to have it right now. Dun 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 dun. So the lie is easy. Um, the truth is, you have to look for it. You have to find it, and then you have to keep it, and you have to keep the truth, and then you have to try your best to spread it without, you know, preaching to somebody.
1: At Eric's voice, I think just from a production standpoint from my seat. Um, there's a vulnerable vulnerability. I have a hard time with that word hmm. in in how you approach this song, and I'm not sure if it's because you didn't completely know the lyrics yet,
3: or <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah,
1: or 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 what. But there's a there's a a, a personal um, feeling in 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 how you performed it, and Brian did that amazingly as well on on the, on the two songs that he sang. It's well, we yeah. just got world class vocalists on this record
2: i do have world-class vocalists on this record and i I am once again humbled by the fact that that came to be i'm humbled by the fact that everybody came here um, and did this for me and it's been a great joy uh, and a blessing to have i mean because these are cats that i've you know worked with uh, since i've been in northern michigan and played a lot of music with back in the day Uh, and they all came here and did such a great job Just a really great job. Um, So I'm just... Wow, there's nothing I can say other than I'm just... So thankful that it came to be.
1: Well, every session was like a family reunion, too, Eric. Mm. It's like he (laughs) hadn't seen these people in twenty years, most of them.
2: Oh wow! And
1: they come through the door, and uh, it's like Christmas or something.
2: Yeah, Uh, Marty Ward, who plays the saxophone on "To the Light," Uh, he he slaughters Uh, the. Yeah, I haven't seen Marty's uh, since. Oh my gosh, like nineteen. Well, maybe two thousand, and um, you know, and he walked through the door, and he was it's like. I just saw him two days ago, yep. and uh, that was the vibe with everybody that came here. Uh, it was like, it's only been like a week maybe, so um, that was a beautiful thing, and everybody did a really good job, I think. Everybody played well, and um, I, they really made the songs uh, great for me. When I hear the songs, and especially because other people are singing them, it's, not, it's like I'm not listening to my song. It's like I was listening to a song from, from somebody else. And that's a beautiful thing because I sit here in awe going, Whoa, dude! You know, But then I think, Oh, I wrote that song. The solid songs. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty solid cool. Songs. You know, I, and the reason I must say that I did not sing on this record, uh, and my Colorado friends will tell you just what a great vocalist I am on you know, Some Kind of Wonderful... Here let me show you I don't need uh, But anyway um, <laughs> Take it away Yeah it, uh, The voice that I hear Up inside my head Does not Make it to my vocal cords So the singer in my head Is great The singer that Sings That ain't so great so uh, I'm yeah. in
1: the same boat there. That's why I learned to play a bunch of instruments because I can't sing. I better be useful in another fashion.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I was really happy uh, with that. And, um, uh, you know, it just adds a nice texture, I think, to the whole dang thing.
0: Yeah, when, when, uh, when you texted me about doing this, um, I'm, I'm going through the text right now. Um, and you were like, okay, I'm going to send you Uh, a bass line with a click track with me singing and listen, don't laugh. Okay. (laughs) Don't laugh at me. And I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. No, no problem. I, I totally understand. I get how demos work. Yeah. And I listened to it and I was like, this isn't that bad.
2: It's that bad.
0: And I, and, and you said, um, I said, yeah, I, I dig the song. Uh, the studio take sounds great, by the way. Your vocals sound great, too. And you say, my vocals, and then in all caps, suck, Eric. <laughs> And then all caps, always. Always. Remember that. Remember uh, that. <laughs> don't <laughs> I'm, forget. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. Dave said he'll get with you uh, as soon as he can to see if we can make it a go. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's like... Uh, Wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, you were like, now don't be showing this to your wife and having a laugh at my expense, okay? No. And I'm like, John, like, it doesn't sound that bad. Like, it's, I mean, it's, I, you can tell it's a click track and yeah. it's like a demo, but
2: sure. hey, honey, come over here. Listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could have made that vocal work.
0: Yeah, I know. You know I, that's what I'm saying. We're not doing that. We're so, not doing
1: that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, could, I, I was surprised that, that. Yeah. you
0: weren't, because like, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, John could totally sing this song. And so when you say that, I get it, because that's how I am as well. I mean, and that's how I am when I come in here. I mean, I might seem like I know oh, I got this, but I, I'm, I'm nervous and, and, you know, always criticizing every little nuance of my voice, too, so I totally get it. But at the same time, like, you're not that bad of a singer, man. Like, you're pretty good. Like,
1: There's people with huge careers right now.
0: That, yeah, you know.
1: That, oh, I'm guilty. <laughs> I, I will fix anything somebody sends me that needs to be fixed. It's my job, you know? And I do a lot of it. So it's...
0: The analogy that you gave me when I... Because I had, like, you know, some bad notes in, in the Piss the Whips album that we did... And you were like, oh, I'll just get in there and, and do a little Melodyne on it, and it'll, uh, it'll be fine. Why take the time to redo that one little part over and over again? And I was like, right, but isn't that kind of like cheating a little bit? And you were like, okay, imagine you're going to build a house. Are you going to use all hand drills and saws, or are you going to grab the electric drill mm-hmm. and the electric saw? He's like, these are tools, you know, like, and ever since then, I'm like, right, they're tools if you need it to, to just fix a little thing. But if you're, if you're basing a whole career on it and you can't sing at all, that's where it's a problem. And, and that's, I don't, that's how I feel about like pitch correction. Yeah. You know, if it's like, ah, yeah, I keep fucking up this one part.
1: And not only that, you can have just the most amazing, um, hair raising spiritual moment performance, just a little flat. Yeah. And you can never get that feeling, but you can get it in tune a hundred more times. Which take do you want to use? You want to use the one with the emotion in it. Yeah. And that's why I nudge it a few cents. Big deal Took half a second and it's seamless and there's no artifacts with. The new stuff, and if you know how to use it, it's the other thing. I could make everybody sound like a robot if I wanted to. I don't want anybody to be able to tell that I've done stuff as far as tuning, and I don't have to tune much because now we're working with people that can sing. You know, like you right. and Brian. Whole, I mean, come on, it's it's a different ball game when you get really good performers, and I think a lot of people out there are just getting good at stuff, and they're not there yet. So when they start using these tools, you can tell they move something a lot instead of just nudging. All I do is nudge. If I have to move something a lot, you know, I could have made the harmony you came in here to do. In fact, you suggested I do that. I could easily have faked it. Right. But I said, no, let's do it for real.
3: Yeah. You know, if you would. My
0: my thing was like, I didn't know how much time we had. It seemed like it was moving along quickly. It's like, I'll totally come back in Mm -hmm. to do it. But if you want to do your thing, you know, and just.
1: I could have faked it. uh, But you know what we wouldn't have had is a a fun afternoon or evening doing it. Or this podcast. Or this podcast, podcast. I swear audio sound waves and vibrations aren't the only things that get recorded when you're recording yeah i i I don't know how i have no idea how maybe it's these little coils in the microphones or spirit transducers i don't know spirit boxes anyways it records emotions it records the kind Mm -hmm. of day you're having it records if it's raining outside somehow you can yeah. it's a different feel it's recording at night versus recording at 10am with a bunch of people I don't know like when John they come in at 11 people I've only heard of legends right like I don't holy shit this guy's here Roger Tarkson's playing my drum set <laughs> uh, I wish I would have you know had better hardware you know for him here and there because I've replaced a lot of stuff because he was here and told me what I needed and next time he came in I had stuff mm-hmm. uh, but in, that's beside the point but that's a different vibe than when I'm in here by myself. Cause I played keyboards and a little guitar on these songs and I did it at two or three in the morning when I'm at my greasiest for feeling mm. like playing music, you know, instruments. And so that's a different vibe than the 11 AM to 2 PM of tracking that happened with the other part of the song. And I don't know if it brings a different energy. I know it brings more no- wrong notes if I'm doing it, but <laughs> I'm a good editor.
2: Well, I've got to say I'm very happy with the keyboard parts. You know, because they fit Thank the songs, and they fit the vibe of whatever a particular song. So, and they're very um, unobtrusive. They're I keep them back because they're you know, they're a feel. They're way more of a texture than a keyboard part, which is sure. what we needed them to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I'm I'm absolutely happy with I'm happy with all of it. Uh, it it's just everything just fell together um, so well for this. That everything just all the clicks clicked, and and just I'm I'm so happy with how this is turning out, and the fact that it's all my you know my heartfelt friends are on this, and even people that I raised up from you know the kids you juvenile
1: used to delinquents at, get out of my yard. Yeah. Oh stuff. my gosh. <laughs> yeah.
0: So a little backstory. I I know John because uh, we bought a building and a piece of property from him when I was uh, about 10 years old. <laughs> and so um, we bought... Uh, well, explain the center building, if you well, could. Well,
2: the, the center building, which is, uh, you know, at this point, your dad's house, uh, was our community center, uh, the Hartwood community, uh, which came together in the early 70s and was going to be an alternative community. Uh, back to the land, that whole 90 yards and uh, the hippie trippy kind of vibe. Um, and it turned out that everybody had to probably get jobs and stuff during the wintertime so that they didn't freeze to death. But uh, it was a, a, a tight knit community, and the center building was uh, part school and part gathering place for all of the families. And all of the families had a lot of kids, and all the kids grew up together and ran wild in the woods, Mm -hmm. wild in those woods. Uh, And they're still to this day, as they're heading into their um, late 30s, their early 40s, the mid-40s, are all still very tight Mm -hmm. and really good friends. And that was the great lesson taught and learned for the Hartwood community was that family matters uh, and your friendship Matters and uh, that is still there, but the center building was like the centerpiece for all that. And we ended up owning it, and I'm not sure how that ended up happening. Um, I think we bought it from maybe Joe Spaulding. Mm. Mm. Joe, I never Joe Spaulding is another but... Oh, That's
0: okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I do remember the Spaulding's name, yeah. though.
2: Yeah, and uh, <laughs>
1: well, that's a very musical piece of the world right there
2: oh yeah well it was um when we got it it ended up being the the rehearsal space for the bigs for uh quite a while and a lot of good music was not only written in there but played in there um many many good family gatherings over the years of the uh, the heartwood stuff uh and it just it was a good space Uh, we ended up wanting to sell it because we just really didn't have any, as the community started to, mm-hmm. let's say, disperse, and the kids started growing up, everybody wasn't so tight-knit anymore. Uh, we just thought, you know what, we're going we're gonna to sell the property. And uh, so we sold it to your family, uh, the Jakeways. And uh, for $6,000, kids,
3: <laughs>
2: that's a great deal. Think about that. And uh, you guys turned it into a house. Uh, and then, of course, it burned to the ground. Uh, and um, <laughs> truly, the
0: way the way John says, and then it burned to the ground. Then it yeah. the ground like, and uh, then was sense. rebuilt,
2: and your dad's still there. Yeah, uh, so uh, the history goes on.
0: Yeah, we, when we bought when we bought the center building, it was just an open top floor and an open basement cement floor. No, uh, Nothing. N- no, uh, water, no toilet. So we, we used the outhouse for <laughs> about oh, uh- six months to maybe a year. Um, and we, you know, cause it was just an open building. We lived in me, my sister, Lisa, my dad and my mom, we all lived in a camper that you put on the back of like a truck. Oh wow. Over the cab. Yeah. And so every night we'd have to, you know, put the table away and, and make the bed and and uh we we did that for yeah, I think about six months in the yard. Wow. We had it parked and 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 mounted up. Um I remember uh I remember uh, Morgan coming up and spending the night and him and I sleeping on stacks of drywall.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Morgan is, is my my youngest son.
0: Yeah. And and so I you know I, I became best friends with Morgan and and Darren all of the kids that John was just referring to in the Heartwood community. I moved from uh, at that point we were living in St. Clair Shores on uh, Nine Mile and Mac. Nice. And we moved up Uh, And I was right in between two cornfields in this shack um, shitting in an outhouse and this little hippie kid walking up the driveway going, hey, you want to go play in the cornfields? And I was like, "Okay, let's go. And he still does that. Yeah, he still does that. Let's go play in the cornfield. He's still there.
2: Yeah, he's still there. So, And
0: and you are back there from
2: Colorado. We're back there from Colorado because, uh, you know, we were in Colorado in the San Luis Valley for the past 10 years, which is South Central Colorado, uh, Sangre de Cristo Mountains, uh, the San Luis Valley is uh, the widest uh, and highest valley uh, in the world where you can still grow crops. Mm. And you get a couple of feet higher, and it's too high. Like Nothing the maximum
1: elevation for yeah. growing anything. Wow. It's
2: like, uh, you know, 9,000 and something feet oh, off geez. the ground. Yeah. And, um, I do love Colorado, uh, and I miss it desperately. And, uh, who knows? Uh, but, uh we we had a little house that we built uh, on 5 acres out on the prairie beautiful beautiful right between you know the the 14,000 foot mountain was my my front door view every morning and um stunningly beautiful just beautiful uh, but we didn't necessarily um like our property owners association they were well they were what they were and uh we just wanted to get out of that and get stay in the valley Uh, but get out of having to deal with all their ridiculous uh, rules Uh, and sold the house and could literally not find anything. Uh, we made a good chunk of change uh, on our house, but couldn't find anything that we could afford to buy that just wasn't astronomic as property values rose and and they're still rising out there. So we owned the property here, uh, the house that we're in now. Uh, And um, so we didn't really have any choice but to to come back uh, because we needed somewhere to to live, and we thought, well, let's we'll get back to Hartwood and just live on the driveway again, which is what we've done for now. Uh, and the house has been cambered together to where you can actually live in it, and it's pretty comfy, and it's nice to be in the forest. The forest is beautiful, you know. Uh, it ain't the mountains, but I'm making do as best I can. Uh, I do most of my cursing. You know, late, late, late at night. Or over here. Or over at, uh, at, <laughs> in the studio. Uh, you know, because Dave doesn't have any choice but to listen to me. <laughs> but uh, it's been an adventure to be back. Uh, and once again, I can say it's been great to connect to all of my dear friends. I haven't played a, lot, a note of live music since I've been here. This is the longest period in my life that I have not been out the door to play any kind of gigs. It's been eight months it's driving me a little nuts. So I don't know what I'm going to necessarily do about that, but um, uh, we'll see how that comes to be. Uh, the Biggs, though, I must say, are having a reunion show on the 23rd of July. That's uh, the first time that we'll be on stage together in 29 years. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's the original lineup. Uh, Astronomic players in this band, and just, oh my gosh, uh, Ivan Grelic hard to top that yeah um uh i I, I, in fact you can't uh and roger on the kit uh my dear friend jim gallagher on the talking trombone uh and um our dear friend tim sparling who's sitting in on the keyboards uh, who is just uh world class they're world-class players i'm very happy that's coming together and it's going to sound really great i think uh so we'll see how that goes
0: nice so what what, uh, what are your plans for the future for this project? I know that you, you, you said you haven't have figured out exactly what you're going to maybe title the project. Or? I don't
2: know what I... You know, I'm, I, I've got to tell you, I'm, such, I'm so old school when it comes to this stuff. Um, it's the first time that I've ever done this in my life where I've done my own record. So the plan is to get it obviously out on the, the streaming stuff... Uh, and uh, and print up some CDs to to give to everybody mm-hmm.
3: uh,
2: as you know a token of my love. Here you go. Here's four songs, and uh, you know we'll see how that goes. Maybe maybe I'll try to sell some of those. I yeah. I don't know, but I just wanted to get the music done, get it on a CD, and give it to people and say thank you for being in my life. And here's a little gift from me to you. And uh, we'll see how that goes. So that's kind of the plan right now. I don't have any grandiose uh, vision for this, other than maybe somebody other than the people we know will hear it. Well,
1: one, <laughs> one thing about it is you any you could you could play this anywhere. Between the four songs, there's variety, but yet they still all because I've been listening to them back to back, and the you know. Eric, how many times you listen to a song before you let somebody hear it oh, when you're working on? it? It's like, you're already sick of it by the time you let somebody hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been through these songs a million times and I'm not sick of them. That's how I can tell that, you know, and I can always still hear one more, oh man, this could make it just a little better instead of, oh, I just can't do it anymore, which I get to <laughs> on mixes in particular, especially if, uh, if I didn't track it, I get some weird stuff sometimes, you know, if I'm just blind mixing a record, which is a lot of what I do. Um, but this thing, there's good solid songs. And like I say, everybody on this record can play their asses off. They can sing. And heck, half of them are really great songwriters and producers and engineers themselves. So it's a lot of, a lot of skill went into this that I had nothing to do with. So when you hear it, it's just really good performances, You know, in a halfway decent room. With really good gear. And oh, that's it's a wonderful room, probably, even though it's the uh, basement. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's
2: got a good vibe in
1: here. It's it's like, a, base, know, yeah, it's got nine foot ceilings and yep. it's I don't know nine hundred square feet. So yeah,
0: yeah when I, I first came here, I was like, yeah, I love the studio. And you're like, oh, this isn't yeah. this isn't it? And I was like, yeah. well, it sure does look like it. I mean, <laughs> that's where all <laughs> my shit is. The studio will be, will be
2: upstairs in its custom designed rooms. Yeah. at some point this year. Yeah, and uh, then
0: then. What? I mean, I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's the what's your future look like? I, I know you're planning, you know.
1: Yeah, we've got... Um, it took too long to get to where I'm at right now at the house, and I didn't want to lose clients or the role I had going on, on some other angles of this business. So I started tracking and recording again, just mixing at first, because I didn't think I'd be able to track in this room this room sounds good drums sound fantastic it looks like it wouldn't but these walls are all acoustically treated those walls are a foot thick Mm. you just don't see everything behind those cracks in the walls those are all vents and we shot this room in and it's damn close we have a node that we had to place the subwoofer in a certain spot Mm. Uh, boring technical crap but um it sounds good and it feels good and you got real pine everywhere real wood there's there's a vibe there that the control room upstairs is going to be 90 percent wood also um all the baffles space traps everything have been designed with that in mind there's not going to be any foam on the walls or any of that kind of mm. stuff it's it's a class situation um but i'm anticipating that'll probably take me another eight or nine months be honest yeah. And halfway through the stream here, we decided that we're going to put a an Atmos mixing environment up there too, the surround sound, which changed, didn't change acoustics of the room, but it changed the layout of uh, some of the absorbers and stuff. Cause we now got to put speakers on the wall. Um, I, th- I don't know, nine, I don't know how many speakers there are. I don't know that much about it, to be honest with you, but I'm going to learn. Mm. Uh, somebody smarter than me designed everything. Obviously you can tell by the way I talk. Um, <laughs> so we're going to have an actual real Atmos room to mix in up here in Northern Michigan because everybody's like Apple music. I think is already pretty much requiring all new music to be in Atmos format and Spotify from what I understand is not far behind. Mm. There's software you can use to fake it. It is damn good. You can do that your whole life and get away with it. But since we do do some movie and video work here, um, I want the room to have it. So, we're gonna go that extra step so that's adding a little bit of time and a little bit more design and and a ton more money <laughs> it's,
2: it's not even funny how much more that's gonna cost
1: so i don't know if it'll ever pay for itself but you know what the hell i'm i'm an old man and it'll be cool
2: yeah an old man that's the weirdest thing <laughs> well, all of a sudden how'd that happen sudden, man i can't even begin to tell you how that happened but uh, eric's still just a kid eric what yeah, well, of course us? he's a kid <laughs> But, uh, you know, the, the funny thing, uh, uh, I'm 72 years old, which <laughs> I never thought would happen, but here I am. Uh, and the strange thing is any anybody in that place can tell you, when you hit 70, I mean, you do the 65 and you're like, oh, no, retirement, blah, 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 or you hit 60 and you're like, oh, my God, I'm 60. And even back, like at 50 years old, where you're like, how can I be 50 years old? But everything is still in front of you at that point. uh, Even when you turn 60, you're not thinking, oh my gosh, I've got maybe three years left. You're thinking, oh, well, there's still another 20 years there. But then you get to 70, and 70, all of a sudden, the great iron wall comes crashing down, uh, and you have to look at the finite time you have left. Mm. Uh, and you're like, okay, so maybe there's three, four, five, ten, 10, you know, maybe 15 years in front of you, maybe, maybe, um, probably not. Uh, and then you, but the, the great thing is, my wife tells me all the time is that you have to look back and say, wow, what about this long life that you've had so far? And look what happened in it. Isn't she generally the voice of reason, though? She is the voice of reason. And, um, and I, boy, one of these days I'll listen to her. One of these days. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say you <laughs> listen. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> I just said that's what she is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but and she's right. You have to look back at what you've accomplished, what you've done, uh, the gifts that you've received in your life, the music that I've been able to play in my life uh, with the great people that I've known. Uh, yeah, I started playing gigs when I was 14 years old. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Same.
1: yeah,
0: and
2: um, you know, Beatles and Beach Boys and all that, and have been playing ever since, and have had thousands of adventures. I wouldn't trade anybody for uh, every second of my life. And I had some pretty dark days in my younger days. I was, you know, I'm recovering. Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm a recovering drug addict, and I've been sober for uh, 36 years. Dun, dun, dun. How'd you do it? Uh, well, I did it by by committing uh, to doing it. Uh, the, however you do it, uh, if you need to get sober, um, you'll know it. There's a switch in your head that just clicks on when you know you're done. Yep. And when that happens... You have to do it. And you can have everybody before that telling you, you've got to quit, you've got to stop. Oh, get out of the house. You know, we're just, that's, we're done with you. But none of that matters until you yourself know that it's time to stop. And I was thankfully able to know it was my time to stop. Uh, and uh, what, however it takes, you do it. Uh, you'd AA or NA or whatever you need to do, any kind of good counseling do it. Um, and 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 stay, you just stay sober, because um, the great gift is sobriety. And that entails, you know, looking at your life or at life in general, as what it's supposed to be. You know, you don't have a, a drunken day, you have a day in front of you. That's usually beautiful. And it's not all you know, fucked up like you are. It's just a day going, hey, man, I'm right here for you. Mm. Um, You know, if you want to come hang out (laughs) and uh, you have to get to where you want to just hang out and be so glad that you're not waking up, you know, uh, somewhere that you don't know where you were or how you got there uh, and that your head's not in a toilet bowl somewhere. And, um, you know, wow, wow. Uh, So life's there for the living, and it comes back once you've chased it away any number of times, Uh, and I've been very fortunate to be able to have many, many, many years of being able to appreciate uh, that fact, Um, you know, and not that I'm still not all messed up, but hey, I'm me, but I'm a sober me, and I'm really, 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 really grateful and happy that I am, so I recommend it to everyone nice man
1: I've seen a lot of people in this business go through that I've come close honestly I've pulled way back because I have too much at stake you know whether you quit completely or just realize that man there's more to life than partying at least get there yeah um because it'll ruin your life too much of anything like that I think everybody in this room has experienced (laughs) similar things you know but um I see so many musicians. I mean, just not just the ones I work with, but just it's just most of my friends are musicians. At least a lot of them are, and I don't know. There's a personality trait that, be, that people that become musicians or are born musicians are quite also often born with. Uh, I'm not going to say a lack of control. I'm going to say an overly stimulated sense of adventure. Ha! You know what I mean? It's like the lifestyle or the uh, the story. Uh, you're, you're, you're living a story, but you're the only one doing it, and people watch you do it, and you're an asshole, and you don't think you are. You're just pretending you're a rock star or something, and real rock stars that I know aren't all fucked up. I'll be honest. They're some of the smartest, most focused people I've ever met in my life.
2: Yeah. Well, it's it's a hard lesson to learn how to, Take advantage of what is truly there, um, which is not the partying and not all that. But it's you know the the, the stigma uh, and uh, the stereotype, which was stamped fifty years ago. Is that oh you're going to do this and live the life, man? And, blah, 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 and um, well, the crowd you you were hanging out with was <laughs> oh my gosh, super good at it, man. Oh I my mean, god,
1: you hung out with the the Wildcats.
2: I hung out with the 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 scariest, most insane uh, rock and roll band on the planet. Yeah. Period. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and they destroyed my life. Oh my gosh. They, <laughs> Which
0: band is this specifically?
2: Well, that was like a, I, I ended up in the MC5. Uh, unit uh, at the end of their days uh, and formed the first MC5 uh, splinter band, a band called Ascension, with Fred Sonic Smith. God bless you, Fred Sonic Smith. Um, uh, Michael Davis, who was the original bass player, uh, came back in as the lead vocalist. And uh, Dennis uh, Machine Gun Thompson on the drum kit. And it was at the end of the MC5 run. They were uh, drugged and defunct was, uh, was the great description of that band at and the radical end. and radical but in their day yeah. there was nothing oh my gosh there was nothing nothing there would be and I'm going to tell you right now all six or seven people who are listening it's very <laughs> it, you need to know this the MC5 is responsible for every bit of hard rock and heavy metal music you've heard since because that band, in 1968, was blowing the roof off of the universe through sheer power and sheer volume and sheer energy. There was nothing that could touch them, nothing that could touch them, and every band that's come after that, every time you go and you see one of these so-called, you know, in-your-face uh, thrash metal kind of slayer and and all that sort of crap, um, that was, that. the template was the MC5. They did it first. They blew the doors wide open and every band after that owes them a huge sense of gratitude for what they're able to do. Uh, there would be none of it without those guys. And um unfortunately for them, they were uh, you know too young to grasp what they have created and they ended up all of them uh, junkies and um and down the right down the tubes it went which was a shame, but boy, 1968-69, on a good night, well, Pete Townsend of The Who. um, uh, When the MC5 opened for The Who, I believe it was the second time there at the Grandy Ballroom in Detroit, uh, he came up to Russ Gibb, the owner, and said, next time we play here, we're opening for them. Because they blew the band but blew the who right away yeah destroyed them there was no band that they would open for that could compete it was and you had to have been there to see it and luckily i was but oh my gosh I, it, there's nothing that could <laughs> i can't explain it to people because it was nothing but a a, a a true force of nature and you can't describe um you know standing next to a an erupting volcano but that's exactly what it was mm. Uh, and um, they would mow people down. You'd have a room, three, four, five thousand people crammed into that Grandy Ballroom, and every person would leave there drained of every ounce of energy they had because that band would just, it would destroy you. And it was a force. I mean, you could feel the force. It, it (laughs) It was so loud that you didn't hear it that way. It was a wall of energy that would knock you on your ass. And um, those are the guys I learned how to play rock and roll from.
1: <laughs> it wasn't that part of the reason who uh, debuted Tommy there was because yeah. that's a rock town, rock room. That oh, was my Grandy, God. right? Well, the Grandy Ballroom yep.
2: in, in Detroit City was was like the Mecca. Yeah. And Tom Wright, I'm sure you probably knew Tom from back uh, in the day. Tom was my boss. I worked at the Grandy. and okay. Tom, was, Tom was my boss. He uh,
1: lived here in Bel Air for years. He yep. just passed and last couple years maybe yeah it's about two three years he I went think. down to live with his son for a while I know but yeah. he uh he'd tell me the stories I got a signed copy of his book that oh, he, yeah. he did and man that guy was in the middle of all those bands he
2: was and responsible for so much of what happened in rock and roll and doesn't get the credit for it but uh, the Faces the yep, James Faces, Gang James. Um, yeah. all, all those bands the Who it, he and Tom uh, uh he and Pete Townsend were uh, best buddies yep Um uh, and uh, he was the one that Lent his record collection to Pete Townsend, all the R&B stuff and all the blue stuff and said, you got to listen to this stuff right here. And Pete was like, oh, it's wonderful. I love that. Uh," And bam, uh, away that went. But um, uh, my great Tom Wright story is this, because he was dear friends with all of the guys in The Who. Right. Uh, And I was at my dear friend Chris Fensky's studio in Eastport working on some stuff we were actually working on a little soundtrack music for tom wright who was doing some kind of a uh, an art show or something i'm not i can't remember but um he might was, have been
1: the release of his book or something possibly might have been.
2: but he was there uh, at, at chris's in the studio was in the garage right mm-hmm. and he gets the phone call and it's pete townsend bitching and moaning about how, you know, Roger Daltrey's, he's destroying my, life. I can't stand, you know, and then on the, and so he does the conference call and he's got Roger Daltrey <laughs> on the other line, standing in a garage in Eastport and he's yelling at both of them. What's the matter with you assholes? Stop this. Look at what you've done in your lives. Look at what you've created. And you're both being a couple of dicks and so yelling at, at, <laughs> and I can Pete see Townsend Town doing And that. Roger Daltrey on the telephone. Yeah. And Chris and I are just sitting there shaking our heads going, oh, my gosh. We're sitting here in Eastport listening to him, you know, uh, dressing down Pete and Roger. As uh, only he could. As only he could. And I'll tell you, he was, um, he was the kind of boss that you didn't want to get mad at you. Right. Because he would, oh, my gosh. He would, oh, my gosh. But uh, those days were were really something at that grandy ballroom and he he was responsible for that whole thing he ran that place and um every great band that you can think of came there and became great
1: Hmm. detroit rock city
2: yeah before they went on to the superstardom that many did Uh, if you didn't prove yourself in detroit right you know if a detroit audience accepted what you did you that was it yep you got it made so uh, what a town! What a town to grow up playing music, in, especially th- rock and roll. What a town! What a time! I mean, oh, that was what the a pinner time. Pinner. Yeah. That Grandy Ballroom on any given night. Ah! Wow! 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 And that's another thing you can't explain to folks unless they were there, because it was just a magical, magical, magical place, just full of energy, and all the great bands that you can think of, all of them, that got their start. You know, they'd come from the Fillmore West or the Fillmore East, or or this L.A. or that New York or whatever, thinking, the and then they'd get to Detroit, and I'm telling mm-hmm. you, if you didn't show your stuff to Detroit, it, right. they'd take you right down. Yeah. And uh, oh my gosh, so everyone loved playing Detroit because it was such a great, 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 great rock and roll town. So I was happy to grow up there, and happy to learn the lessons I've learned, and. um now I'm sitting in Bel Air. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is where Tom chose
1: to hang. So, this you know, is where Tom chose to hang. Yeah,
2: yeah. and uh,
1: must be something about the the water.
2: Must it's got to be the water or something? Yeah. I I don't know, but um, I can't I can't fault my education uh, in Detroit uh, for what I learned, and um, I only play two notes on the bass. I've got. There's, I heard that recently. There's one that's down by the tuning <laughs> pegs, and then yeah. there's the other one that's high up near the body. Uh, and if you play them properly, it all works out. <laughs> but that's what I learned in Detroit, was to play those two notes better than anybody there else. There
1: you go. Well, it's working.
2: Yeah. Well, so far.
0: Yeah, what's the joke? It's a uh, um, uh, father buys his son a bass because he uh, wants to learn how to play an instrument. And so he buys the son the bass. And he's like, OK, son, today I'm going to teach you about the E string. This is the E string. And he goes, okay, now go practice and I'll see you tomorrow. And then the kid comes back. He's like, I learned the E string, dad, know how to do the whole thing with it. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to teach you how to use the A string today, son. I want you to practice the A string. Okay, go to your room, practice, and we'll do the next string tomorrow. And then the next day comes and the dad's like, okay, son, time to learn about, you know, the the D string. And he's like, I can't dad. And he's like, well, why? He's like, I got to go to a gig. (laughs)
3: <laughs> it's absolutely true it is that's what I
1: started out I was 14 years old playing bass in yep. Bellair Lane's down here two miles from this place uh I was 14, everybody else was 25. <laughs> yeah. And back then nobody cared. My well, my parents didn't care what I did anyways, but the bars didn't care there's a 14-year-old kid. Yep. I up used to there. do the same. I used yeah. to play
0: at the I remember playing at the Rainbow Bar. In Rainbow. East oh, Jordan. oh my god. I was 14 years old yeah. and I would go to school the next day Thursday morning I had jazz band er, like kind of earlier in the day and I would skip the first class and show up to jazz band and play bass in the jazz band so I thought I was super cool because I was playing the we, we we did like a two or three week thing where we played the rainbow night rainbow bar Thursday or Wednesday night Thursday morning I'd go to jazz band and be like yeah I played a gig last night and blah blah, blah. <laughs> yeah how about that? That rainbow was quite a
2: place. Yeah, it's no longer there. It's gone. It's BC Pizza, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, and BC Pizza has gone too. Oh, is it? Yeah, the building's gone. It's oh, vacant lot. Oh shit! Crazy so the Rainbow was the classic Northern Michigan hillbilly bar, and boy, you walked in there. I and remember. And and <laughs> yeah. and you'd better be ready for just about anything. Yep. So, wow. uh, I would play the the. Uh, the Rainbow with uh, the, those Lost Valley Band guys. My, oh, yeah. my band from Blair. Blair. Uh, and uh, uh, we walked in there one night uh, to set up to play to find uh, the owner and his buddies sitting at the bar, tanked, and clapping and laughing and yelling because uh, the waitress was riding a goat. Around the floor of the bar, and the goat, <laughs> the goat was pooping everywhere, oh. and they just thought that was the funniest thing. And I kept thinking, man, that poor goat, because you know he was it just, just freaked out. And they're, hey, you rider, baby. And I'm thinking, whoa, let's get out of here, East Jordan, baby, yep. East Jordan, yeah. Yep. Well, you know, East Jordan, Mancelona you know, same difference. Yeah, we would say uh, Mancelona is where you'll never dance Solona.
0: <laughs> when, when we would
1: play there
2: at the press box oh the God. press box yeah.
1: remember loggers and loggers oh loggers
0: i used to play at loggers yeah Lagers. we used
1: to play there all the time
0: <laughs> yeah i was 16 playing at loggers and we would go there i we went there i was in uh, a band called bottom feeder uh, <laughs> nice <laughs> a, nice a metal band i was playing bass i was i think i was 16 at that time and we went there and we we we, we were playing there all the time playing with like Bad Monkey. Oh Remember yeah. Bad Dave Mo- Weber
1: and those guys? Yeah. 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 playing with Bad, Bad
0: Monkey. Bad, Bad Monkey. Eric little. And uh I walked up to the bartender, jokingly, I was 16 and I said, "Give me a Heine." And she was like, "Coming right up." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. So then they just assumed cuz I had a goatee, I, you know, I was 16. Yep. They just assumed I was old enough to drink and I would, (laughs) I would drink there every time we played, I would end up getting drunk and buying cigarettes out of the vending machine. And I I remember that vending machine. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And I I thought that was the, the coolest thing ever.
1: Well, yeah. oh, it is pretty cool. It is pretty cool, pretty for cool. Cool. sure. Yeah, for, yeah. You know, it's gone now. 16, it's a big 000. lot, too, now. Yeah, it burned down. <laughs> so it's just a go. slab
2: next to 131. Uh, the Northern Michigan history, I'll tell you what. Oh, my. Yeah, Those days yeah. were
0: fun, though. Yeah. So can do you think that we can maybe play an early version of the song on the podcast? Would that be okay, or should we not?
1: I, sure. I can send you a... a
0: to the light, maybe. Uh, yeah,
1: I can send you to the light. I'll, I'll take the vocals you just did today. I'll mix them, and I'll I'll send you with these files. I'll send you. Cool. If, it's all it's up to John. Obviously, if this is. Yeah,
2: go for it. I, Here, here's the deal with this with this deal. Um, I just want it heard, so you can play it, play it. Yeah. And um, bam, uh, the more people that hear it, the better. Because uh, I got to tell you, I, I it's it's not about. Um, Uh, The the money or 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 any of that or or any, you know, we better keep this under wraps or whatever, because it's it's not about that. It's about the songs are done. They're sounding good. So people need to hear them. You know, for me, that's the most important thing. It's the music's there. um, It came from uh, my heart. Uh, These songs, um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of them. Um, They're pretty good, solid songs, uh, and I'm happy to share them with just everybody. Um, And boy, the more people that hear them, uh, the better, and I hope people like them. So, yeah,
0: go for it. Hell yeah.
1: I'll send it along, and you pop it on there.
0: Awesome, man. I just want to thank both of you for letting me be a part of this. Um, oh. I'm very honored to be singing your song and to get to work with you again, Dave. And, and I, just...
1: I appreciate that. But I, feelings mutual, I'm sure, yeah. for both of us.
2: You've come quite a, a way. <laughs> from, the, from the, you know, snooty little punk that you were.
0: So. <laughs>
2: I'm trying every day. Yeah, I and, and I'll tell you, uh, if you have a chance to go see Eric do his thing, you need to do it absolutely uh, because it's pretty, it's it's pretty awe inspiring that one person does all the stuff he does when he does it. Uh, and he's right, right, right good at it. I, the, I haven't seen him play, um, I haven't seen you play since, oh my gosh,
0: whenever that Pearson's yeah. show was. Oh man, that would have been twenty. 15. Probably 2017 maybe, I don't know. Oh yeah, because it wasn't Pearson's, that's right, yeah. It yeah. was 40 Acres. Um, yeah. Yep, so 2017, yeah. Yeah, and it was really something.
2: So all oh. you
0: punks out there need to go see Eric whenever
2: you can. <laughs> I, I remember
1: recording that first Pistol Whips record and... Are gonna do drums, right? So he comes in with them under his arm. Yeah, it's the foot pedal drums. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I didn't take a class on recording yeah. that, but we did, that and was, we didn't trigger anything. We, yep. we got the sounds out of that, and, and you could play that damn thing, play a guitar, and sing. But you know what's even more impressive is you can do all that and talk. Mm. <laughs> that's harder than singing because you kind of program to do it all at once. But you can play that thing, strum guitar and talk to an audience just off the cuff. And yeah, I don't mean that's some coordination, but you also play drums. So, I mean, you, you're, you're an ambidextrous son of a bitch, I guess.
0: Yeah. yeah it's just gotten to the point where, uh, yeah, I can kind of shut everything off and just focus on one thing or another at a time and just get kind of get on autopilot muscle memory, you know, yep, yep. with it, with, you know, like how you do with anything.
1: Is it, anything the, is it the P
0: word? The what? P word. P word? Practice. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I probably, know you don't practice. <laughs> yeah. That's what's <laughs> the P word. None of, us, none of us practice. None of us practice. <laughs> I, I, do. Uh, <laughs>
2: John, I do. John does well. I do every day. <laughs> Well, here's the deal. You know, I spend 15, 20 minutes in the morning playing uh, the bass uh, because um, uh, to this day, uh, 56, well, I started playing the the bass in 67. So that's, um, I don't know how long that is, 50-some years. But I still look at it in its case and think to myself, that's about the coolest thing that could ever be right there and I get to pick that up and I get to play that and it's like I'm right back to the very first time um that I that I picked one up to actually play it for sure and I started playing the bass because I was a crappy guitar player really crappy Rhythm I think that's where played.
1: most bass players are born. Oh, yeah.
2: Same. And my, my short story of coming to the bass was in nineteen sixty seven, a friend calling saying, Hey man, we're having a party this weekend and my parents are out of town and oh yeah and you know and I'm thinking, Ah, oh, that's gonna and we're gonna jam and I'm like, eh because I had already heard like these Eric Clapton guys and Jeff Beck guys, and I just couldn't do that on the guitar. So, I just didn't want to even look at it, right? No, you got to come over, man. And, you know, and a bass player's coming and, and he's going to be late, but you can play the bass until he gets there. And I'm thinking, well, they're really cool looking, you know? Offender <laughs> precision bass, oh my mm-hmm. gosh. So I said, you know, okay. To the party I went. Got there and, and you know, I've got the bass and I'm going, do, 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 do. And I'm like, oh. This is pretty cool. And he looked at me and he goes, there's no bass player coming. You're supposed to play the bass. And the light bulb went on and I said, you know what? You're right. And from that second onward, that was it. So pretty intuitive on his part. All these many, many, many years later. But I still every day pick it up and I play it. And uh, I thank the gods that I can. So it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing.
0: That's awesome. Well, let's end on that, man. Let's end on that. Right on. If you got a bass at home, get it out. Get it out and play it. There's nothing better in the whole wide world
2: than to play music if you can. But play it from the heart. Always play it from the heart. Don't do it for any other reason because all the other reasons are out there uh, and they're not the right ones. It's a gift from the universe to be able to play music because it comes through you from wherever <laughs> it is. And that if you're the conduit and you know you are, because I've known since I was a little kid that that's what it was going to be for me. Uh, you know, I was going to play music. I wanted to be Elvis Presley. And then there were Beatles and I was, oh, I want to be that. And it just resonated in me from a little kid onward and I just knew Uh, so that's the gift and it doesn't you know you don't play the music the music plays you Uh, and if you're lucky enough to get it flowing through you then then do it there's not and here's the other thing even if you're sitting there going oh I can't really play this so great or whatever but if you play it and you're loving it in your heart then you're every bit as good as anybody else because you're loving it. So always love to play music. And if you can play as much of it
0: as you can. That's it. I'm done. John Amen. Dave, thank you so much, guys. Oh
2: thank you well, Eric. Thanks for letting us Yippity Yap. That's
0: yeah, been a lot it's of been fun. fun. Let's listen to the light yes. off of John Hafty's new solo album, which is gonna be coming out sometime this summer. To the light.
1: To the light. Can to you the play light. It? He will. Oh he'll he'll cut it right
2: Later. there. Oh gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well and I hope you like it.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we'll edit all that out. Bit, no, that i no
0: part. I'm gonna leave that. Leave, a, in. I'm leaving leave all, all this the... rambling nonsense. <laughs> I don't know. What? That's how this works. Yeah. I'm an old man. All right. <laughs> We're done. Come on. We're done.
3: you